Well, hello there, listener, and welcome to Better Than Fine. I am your host, Darlene Marshall, and we're going to kick off the show just a little bit differently today. I want to start it off with just a heads up. In this episode, we are going to be talking about weight, dieting, and it's very possible we'll talk about disordered eating at different points in the episode. So if you are someone who those topics might not be the best thing for your emotional or mental health, you don't want to skip this one uh, because your well-being is more important to us than you listening to voices over your headphones. Uh, so that all being said, I'm going to start, let me tell you a little story. <laughs> so when I was 13 years old, uh, my stepfather at the time, fortunately this person is no longer in my life, uh, but they came home with a height-weight chart. I didn't know it at the time, but that height-weight chart was the BMI. And at the time I was 13 years old, I was between like 5'10 and 5'11, and I was starting to approach about 180 pounds, which if you don't know that off the top of your head on the BMI, that's overweight. And so never mind that I played sports year round, that I lifted weights. At the time I was, I could leg press more than some of the varsity male athletes, uh, or that I spent my childhood in a stressful situation. So on food stamps, below the poverty line, in, in trauma. You know, so I didn't have the best nutritional habits because I hadn't had a great foundation to begin with. What mattered was that this piece of paper said I was fat. So that summer, I was put on my first diet. Spoiler alert, it didn't work. Uh, in fact, it actually probably made things worse. And it set the tone for the next two decades of trying to control the way that my body looked and was to make other people's perception of it better. Because other people were telling me that something was wrong with me. And because we live in a culture that is obsessed with weight, with dieting, with weight loss. And the fitness and wellness spaces are flooded with marketing, with images, with ideas about how we should change our bodies to fit other people's ideas of what bodies should be. And social media is kind of a toxic soup of the worst of it. Well, my guest today has made it her mission to call all of that out, to call all of us in and to empower young women and girls to focus on their health, their wellness and well-being. I genuinely wish that she had been around for 13-year-old Darlene uh, when she was being told she wasn't strong or good enough or whatever enough. So Erin Lada is a certified personal trainer, a wellness coach, and a group fitness instructor. She's also got a background in holistic nutrition, and her passion is coaching teens on their physical strength and better fitting their mental and emotional well-being. Erin, welcome to Better Than Fine. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here, Darlene. I... I wish I was there for 13-year-old you and and me, honestly. I'm not going to lie. That actually, that sentiment actually gives me like some feels of it. <laughs> like I mean it when I say it. Um, so let's let's talk about younger Erin a little bit. So when you and I first connected and, and talked about your background and your mission, which inspires me, uh, to be honest, you shared with me that your path into fitness involved this idea of the healthiest version of yourself, which theoretically sounds pretty great, but wasn't actually that great in practice. Can you like tell us a bit about that journey for you? Sure. And I just wanted to say, I really connect with your talking about being 13 and being weighed. And it just, it just came up in my mind uh, when you were talking about that story that I pictured being in the back of my seventh grade science class and the nurse was weighing everyone in the back of the room. And 
if you were over a hundred pounds, you were definitely looked down upon. And I just remember dreading being weighed every single year. And I don't really know why they were doing it in the classroom, but there was so much shame and guilt and trauma and just, you know, negative feelings about myself just for that. Like, why were they doing that? I have no idea. And that's where I really connect um, weighing ourselves, um, really focusing on that number and asking people, has that ever actually made you feel good? Because even when it was a number that I liked seeing or I was happy about, then I was immediately in this spot of fear because if it if it goes up then yep. you know what if, if it I, goes if I, yeah what if it goes up um yeah so. i can relate to that a lot i relate to that deeply there was um did you see the study that came out last week it was done in the uk um showing that when we market weight loss directly to teens and we kind of glorify weight management to teens that um the I'm going to, I'm going to use this phrase very lightly listener, the healthy weight, soft quotes, kids were also trying to diet and bring their weight down. It's like big, stupid surprise. If all we're talking about is glorifying being lighter, everybody's going to be trying to be lighter, even when you're healthy. Uh, All the time. It's just, the problem is, is it's never good enough. And I think that that's kind of where I stepped off of the dieting journey, but really I started on the dieting journey with, and I'm going to date myself, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I used to, (laughs) um, when I would read magazines, I would go to the, um, you know, to the drugstore with my mom and I would see 17 magazine and Vogue and all of the beautiful magazines, knowing that I had been made fun of as a child, um, as a teenager, by the other girls in school and they would call me fat and you know and I was actually I would I would say I was actually probably a very healthy weight you know when I talk about these things now a lot of my high school friends will say you know I never thought of you as that but there was girls that made fun of me and so when you know that you're afraid to go to school because people don't like you and you know that the only answer is really to be thin to be liked or be pretty to be liked then that I mean, of course, who, why wouldn't I go on that mission? So I would get all these magazines and and follow all the tips, you know, three tips to lose weight, you know, 10 pounds in two weeks or, or what, or eat these foods, 10 pounds, 10 days. Yes. Slimmer. I mean, well, so so the, but the point is, is that it doesn't always have to be so extreme that it's like, we can't, you know, we could tell that you can't lose 10 pounds in 10, 10 pounds in like three days, right? I mean, I think most people would know that that's not realistic, but even 10 pounds in whatever time, that can't really be promised, especially by following their tips. And then I'm going to look like that person. Yes. Yeah, any practitioner. And, exactly. and also just highlighting that the weight neutral approach is if your biomarkers are healthy, if your blood markers are healthy, if you feel good, if your heart is doing well, if you are strong in ways that feel empowering to you. I think the least interesting thing about people is what the number on the scale is at that point, right? Like as a practitioner, that all becomes largely irrelevant if all of that other information says this person is doing well. And we have glorified the state of just having a smaller number in this ideal of like, to take your own phrase, being the healthiest version of yourself somehow translated to being the lightest version you can sustain. 
and that's not helpful. No, and I think as especially as a as a child, we need to be connected to other people. We want to feel a part of. We want to feel like we belong. And and if if there's something about you that makes you not belong, then most people are going to go after that because we need that so deeply as a, as a human. Um, so yes, I, I was going after kind of everything that people told me and it was all wrapped up in weight just because that's what I read in the fitness marketing in the magazines and, and social media is really no different to me than that. I, I just, I poured myself into those things thinking if I do what this says, then I will be happy. I will look like her. I'll wear a bikini. I'll have a flat stomach and people will like me. And that's, you know, looking for that self-confidence always on the outside is where I continue to get let down over and over and over and over again. And I, I mean, I think I smile right now because I, it took me just so long to learn this. I feel like I'm still learning it. I feel like I'm still learning it in practice in the moment, right? Like, you know, to add the layer of as a, as a fitness professional, which we both are the layer of, I will be successful if, right. Like I'll somehow be more legitimate as a professional. If I look a certain way, if my weight and body comp are at a certain number, then I'll be more successful because I like my imposter syndrome will magically get better if this thing changes about myself. And what we're talking about here is weight stigma, right? Like the social stigma, the social pressure that comes with having a body that is a different shape than what we've been conditioned to believe it should be. Right. Yes. Oh, totally. Um, And I always find it kind of funny that when I had the, most kind of acceptable body as a personal trainer. When I first became a personal trainer, I was just so unhealthy. I was my, I was in a full on eating disorder and I exercised two hours a day. I counted every single thing that I ate. It was my entire life. And it was like everything hinged upon, you know, whether I ate bad or good, it was so black or white all the time. And I was a brand new trainer. And even though I had a lot of education, there's so much that comes with experience. Um, And I was not very experienced at that point, but people wanted to hire me because I looked, I looked like they wanted to look. And I really, it was just not a point where I was, you know, I, I just wasn't that experienced. I'm a much more experienced trainer now and feel that I can help people movement wise, I mean, mind wise, in every aspect of their life. And maybe I don't look well, I don't I mean, I don't really care if I look the part anymore, you know? Yeah, (laughs) it has nothing to do with the ability to actually facilitate change in someone else, right? Exactly. Yes. And I but I think that that's, that's a real thing um, for people in the fitness industry, um, that we deal with all the time. And so if we're kind of dealing with looking the part, but not actually being our most healthy or well selves mentally, if we're not able to, like, if we push the physical so much that the mental and emotional is suffering, then we're not actually really that healthy. And we're not really able to help others the way that we want to. But it's kind of this inner struggle that people aren't always talking about because there's a lot of fear and shame around not looking like a personal trainer. 
Yeah. Well, we're talking about it right now. Listener, you yes. are listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. We are talking about the way in which harmful weight-focused marketing doesn't serve us, doesn't serve our clients in the fitness and wellness space. I'm Darlene Marshall, and my guest is Aaron Lada. Uh, so, Aaron, could you tell us a bit about, like, what was your wake-up call moment? Like, what shifted it for you from this place of, I don't look the part, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on my weight, I'm counting every calorie, like all of those things that you just unpacked for us, what kind of Thanos snapped you out of it into the space that you're in now? Um, it was basically disordered eating and just becoming, just getting to this breaking point where I, I couldn't do it anymore. I was drinking the, the green smoothies and the super greens and, you know, I just spent so much time ordering food, trying to order the right things and counting and eating as little as possible and, and trying to be in this calorie deficit constantly. Oh. And at the same time, also working out, you know, doing pull-ups. Like when I was a kid, I just thought like, oh my God, I just want to do a pull-up. I just like, that's going to make me feel strong. <laughs> and then when I got there and I was doing them, I'm like, I was so weak. I was so tired. And I started really binge eating uncontrollably. I had this one weekend where I, it would happen every once in a while um, because I was restricting my food so much that I would overeat usually around 4 p.m. And I was so tired and, and I felt like I just couldn't control myself. And that was really my body protecting me. Um, but I had this one weekend where I just kind of hit the fan and I thought to myself, I'm the size I want to be. I look the way I want to be. And yet I'm still not confident in my body. All I think about is what I eat or what I don't eat. And I feel so out of control. You know, I spend half the day eating the right things the right way, as little as possible, and feeling good about that control and then feeling out of control and feeling so bad and posting pictures on social media about, you know, <laughs> how strong I am, how happy I am. And it was really all a lie. It was, it was a big lie. And I just, I couldn't take any more emotionally. I, I reached out to help, um, for help from a, um, I researched there was a eating disorder and I had struggled with eating disorders my whole life. I've always gone in and out. Now looking back, I realized it was, there was always an eating disorder at the end of a period of dieting where I had gotten to where I wanted to be. <laughs> And then all of a sudden I had an eating disorder and I was out of control in some way. And it was just my body trying to gain weight back because it was scared, you know, that I wasn't getting enough, getting enough food. Um, but so I reached out for help and I found this eating disorder specialist. She taught me intuitive eating. I just wanted a meal plan that I could stick to. I didn't even know, I had no idea what intuitive eating was. I didn't know it existed. I just wanted to be able to live like a normal person. I wanted to be able to have pizza with my family and not feel like I had to work out after that or, you know, constantly dwell on what a bad person I was for eating a piece mm. of pizza or anything else. Um, or just like anytime I touched a sweet, I just felt out of control. And I thought that was me. So I thought there must be some meal plan that I can go on. There has to be. And um, this woman that I worked with, she was a registered dietitian, but different approach than most um, kind of people that I've ever worked with before. And she just questioned every single thing I believed about food. 
She questioned every single thing I believed about fitness, about myself, about my weight. And I started to get an education on what being healthy really was. And I had, I didn't even know it. And she led me through this self journey where I started to finally find myself because instead of following someone else's plan of what was best for me and what was going to make me my best version, I started to figure it out on my own, which is something I'd never done. I was in my thirties. I'd never done that. And no wonder I felt really uncomfortable in my own skin because I didn't know who the heck I was. And that was just kind of the start of a journey and where I was willing to say, okay, I'm going to do this little by little. And instead of thinking that I'm going to accomplish something at the end of 12 weeks, it, it was, I was willing to be on this uncomfortable journey. I don't think there was any other, I had, I tried every option for like, just like you said, probably about 20 years. So I relate so deeply to so many of the things that you're saying, right? Like when I think about like, oh, when have I looked the part or felt most comfortable? You know, it was when I was telling myself, oh, I'm, I'm intermittent fasting. Like I'm fasting. No, I was just not eating. Like that's not IF, that's, that's anorexia. Um, the difference being that it was never, I was never at the end of 12 weeks at some weight that was a magic number, I was still in a plus size body, just having an eating disorder. And I think in that way, it's not what people typically think about when they think about an eating disorder, right? You think of someone thin. And there's so many other aspects of this that I that are coming up for me as you're talking about, like, you know, the way that we're taught to think about, you know, someone who is binge eating. We're taught to think that they're binge eating because they're an emotional place when in actuality you're describing like I literally wasn't eating enough and my body started to freak out. Um, So you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. My name is Darlene Marshall. I'm your host and my guest is Aaron Lada. And we're talking about the way in which uh, the fitness industry, the wellness space, the way that we talk about weight and specifically how that is marketed to us is not helpful. And in fact, in many cases is actually harmful. So let's Let's switch gears. We talked about it a little bit. We talked about social media a tiny bit. We talked about um, growing up and having these magazines. I know you mentioned 17. For me, it was self. Self was a big one. And then eventually women's fitness. I was like, oh, I want to I have the right weight. Let me do everything they said. Um, but the way in which that we are marketing these ideas creates a, an expectation in us that isn't necessarily good for our wellness. So can you talk about how that shows up, not just for you, but also for like your clients and in the work that you do with teens and with young women? Sure. Um, It's kind of the fairy tale. It's almost a, I've been thinking about it as a fantasy recently, is that, Mm. you know, sometimes when we find that our lives are not as happy as we want them to be, or, or we want to kind of disconnect from things that we don't like, instead of being able to dig in to do something really challenging, it sometimes it's easier just to buy into the fantasy that's marketed to us. So mm. <laughs> even at, <laughs> this, is, this is a big one for me. Um, oh. It's, it's just that, you know, I struggle with that I spent a large portion of my life focused around 
trying to attain happiness, trying to attain success, trying to be accepted in society because I was marketed a certain life. And, you know, I'm not demonizing, you know, but I, it's just, it's a very large part of who I am. Um, So yes, there's times when I think that we are marketed um, very unrealistic things that could ever happen to us. And we, we still think that if she did it, you know, it's, it's very common to kind of see that, like, there's that friend, um, you know, a friend of mine did it. So if she did it, then I can do it too. Mm -hmm. And I will look like her. And that's very popular on social media right now, especially from people that have no fitness or health or wellness background or education whatsoever. It's just, if you do what I do, then you'll get what I get. And that's, really physically impossible. (laughs) We cannot eat the same things, do the same things and look exactly the same. We never would. Yeah. I mean, just different genetics, different trauma, different central nervous systems. And, and I think this comes up, this comes up for our clients, right? Because they come in with this expectation of like, Oh, my friend, you know, Sally, she has a whole different body because she like went keto and started doing, I'm not going to even mention any of the brand names that we hear in terms of fitness. And then they come into us and they want us to guide a process that isn't aligned with the client. And I also think what you're describing in terms of like the way that dreams get marketed to us, I love that you use the word fantasy, the way the fantasy gets marketed to us. I think in the fitness and wellness space, you know, you got these influencers that then become, you know, like business coaches and entrepreneurial leaders and whatever the heck, because and it's the same thing, right? If I did it this way, so if you just replicate what I did, you too can have a passive you know, multi six figure income or what the heck ever. And in reality, many of those people are not happy, are in debt. You know, they're, they are actively marketing an idea of a lifestyle that they don't feel gratified in. Exactly. And so that we are constantly comparing our insides to someone else's outside. And that Mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't really matter if it's, you know, your car, your house, your, you know, whatever it is, your degrees, your body, it could be anything. But that is always that sort of comparison is always going to lead to unhappiness. And I just, I think that the idea of, you know, someone else just giving this plan or saying that this is what works, or I heard that you should. <laughs> I read in the paper the other day. I saw in someone's reels. Oh, man. But to me, the hallmark of this thing that you're describing of like the fantasy, uh, and I know that you hate these two, so I'm actually really excited to hear you react to the statement, um, is before and after pictures. Do you want to go off about it before and after (laughs) pictures? You go first. (laughs) Okay. So people love before and after pictures. Oh, they do. Oh, they do. Um, and it's something that's used so commonly in the fitness industry to demonstrate success that how can we show people that they're successful and it puts a complete emphasis on the outside of our body being all of our self-worth and not only does it do that, which is just going to lead to just all of these negative feelings about ourselves and kind of the exact opposite of what we really want. But also it, it creates weight stigma, which is really saying that it, 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 I think that at the very essence is that people, fat people are bad. 
bad is bad and thin is good. And so we're dealing with good and evil, right? If we're going to go back to fantasy. Um, <laughs> and, but the problem is, is that this is actually really serious because it creates poor and negative health outcomes for people. So it's the same as a racial stigma. It's the same as, um, you know, a gender stigma, um, a uh, sexual preference stigma. It's the same. It still is negatively impacting people saying that, you know, if a person looks a certain way, then they're bad and they, you know, receive lower income. They are not as um, able to get jobs. They are treated differently in medical settings. They're only seen for their weight and not what's actually happening in their body. And there's terrible things that have happened, like people dying of cancer because the doctors didn't actually look at, you know, all do all the tests as they were supposed to. They just said, you have a weight problem. And it's so I just believe so passionately that the fitness industry needs education on this because I think that I truly believe that people that are involved in fitness want to help people. Yes. But if they don't know that what they're doing is harming people, that that's scary to me. And and I didn't even know this either. I mean, I had to kind of learn this on my own through certifications that I did and courses that I did continuing education. And, you know, I, I believe continuing edu education is so important, but also evidence-based research. And that's why I really loved the wellness certification so much is because it was all evidence-based research. So if we're talking about health and we're talking about helping people, then that evidence-based research has to be, and, you know, really good evidence-based research has to be at the center of all of this instead of, you know, judging from <laughs> Instead of the social pictures. proof of before and after pictures. Exactly. Um, and just to speak to the, you know, to, to plug that we're on the NASM podcasting network and the wellness coaching cert certification, let's try that sentence again. The wellness coaching certification you're referring to is NASM's a certified wellness coach, which, you know, I felt very strongly about that being an evidence-based program. Um, but you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. My name is Darlene Marshall. I'm your host. My guest is Aaron Lotto. We are talking about the way in which weight-based marketing is harmful to us in the fitness and wellness spaces. And, um, you know, Aaron, one of the things that comes up for me when I think about before and after pictures is not only the weight stigma that it reinforces, right? Like, smaller always equals better, not mm -hmm. true. And the social milieu that that reinforces, but also for me, it's always felt squiggy because it feels like you're exploiting your client. And we're seeing that client in a snapshot after, you know, I'm going to use the phrase cut phase here, but I don't know that that does it justice. And we don't know what that client felt like, looked like what their emotional experience was in that moment. We don't know what their body did to recoil from that cut in six months or a year. Like it is not a fair representation of what's happening to that person, but we're projecting this fantasy as an industry. It can be grossly demotivating to people who those systems don't work for. It can be harmful and painful in the ways you describe for somebody who's in a larger body. Uh, and we also know, and I know you know this from doing the, the, the coaching certification, when we look at motivations toward healthful behaviors like eating well, getting enough sleep, 
getting movement in your life, short-term motivation might be driven by aesthetics, but in the long run, even if you got the thing you wanted, you will be less happy and less consistent than the person who, than any other reason to be the motivation to change. Uh, and I think it's really important that we highlight that when we're talking about like aggressively marketing weight management, because that's the least effective thing when we're actually talking about lasting change. Um, have you observed that with your with your clients, with your students? I know you work with youth as well. Yeah, um, I, I have a client that I know she would be okay that I speak about this, but um, she worked with a trainer right before me that really insisted that when she joined the program um, to, and it, it was funny because it was actually not a, it was marketed as not a weight loss program. It was a getting stronger program. But still, the trainer insisted that she take a before and after shot. And my client really felt uncomfortable with that. And the, the trainer really got aggressive with her. Like, you have to take your shirt off. And any, I, I don't want to. So I, I just want to be clear that I'm not bashing. I just want to talk about some of the things that happen to people that, that are really causing harm. And I think that those are just things we need to be aware of. Um, and this client no longer feels comfortable working out in a gym. She, and I mean, that's, that causes mental and emotional and, and physical harm. Um, I forget the rest of the question. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. I, I, <laughs> I think part of it is that you and I both feel so passionate about this, that it's hard not for us to get upset. And I'm so glad that you said it. And I want to echo, like, I'm not, if, if somebody wants to lose, to, to shift their body's presentation or functionality in a way that aligns with them deeply. Like I just got married. You think that I didn't try to look my best in my wedding dress? Of course I did. And I don't want to shame anybody who part of their wellness journey is wanting to change their level of body fat. Like that's, if that is what you want for you and it is authentic and aligned and it feels good and you can find a way to do it in a way that fuels and supports your body, go bananas. But like, you know, it, it's been, it's been a while since I've sworn on the show, but as you described that client being pressured into removing her clothing because her professional, and I use that word lightly, is trying to get her to do something that feels emotionally uncomfortable. Like I want to curse loudly at that person on your client's behalf. <laughs> Like it makes my blood boil. I may, you know, yes, I may, I may have done that for you. So, um, good, but good. I think, cool, cool, cool. Um, so what I find is kind of to, to spin this around is, and you just spoke to this is that movement fitness, it, it's so empowering. It, there's so many great things. It's, you know, getting stronger, it's good for us. You know, it's good for our bones. It's good for, it's good for every, it's good for our brains. Um, there's so many positive things when we take away the focus of what we look like. And, and that to me is, is really what my mission is, is how do we help people get the life that they want, feel the way that they want. And we can do that by just taking away the aesthetic aspect. Of course, there's body autonomy. You can do whatever you want to to your body. 
you can make money however you want. That's fine. But I do think that as an industry, we need to redefine success as how people are living and participating in their lives instead of what they look like. That's something that's super important to me. And so I just find it disingenuous to say, you know, I don't think that people really are that happy when they get the look that they want. I, I think that, I, I mean, I know that if you're, all of your value is in your external self, that it's very hard to be happy or feel good about yourself and then really participate in your life to be able to show up. Um, yeah. So that's, I think, I think one of the reasons you and I resonate strongly with one another is that we both feel that the industry is primed for this evolution into a sense that we're doing this because we want to foster wellness and well-being in the people that we work with and in owning that the way we're talking about this and what we're saying that the industries are selling isn't actually serving that mission and in inviting in to shift that lens to a more empowered place where we have something richer and deeper and more interesting to offer our clients than a false promise, right? Because part of that false promise is, well, you're going to do what I say. Here's the prescription, the movement, the nutrition, like do what I say, and then you'll have the body you want. And it's going to stay that way, which just all of that's a lie. Yep. So let's cut the big lie and invite people into what it is we actually do really do really well, which is all the great things that we can offer through movement, nutrition, sleep, positive emotional experience, meditation, mindfulness, gratitude, like all the stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you and I agree with that one. So we do. Yes. <laughs> That's always why I love talking to you. Um, so if other people want to talk to you, where might they find you? Um, they can find me on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Um, they can contact me on my website, erinlottafitness.com. Um, What's your Instagram? Erin uh, Fitness. Cool. Is that also your TikTok? My TikTok is the Erin Lotta. There we go. Um, and your email, if you want to throw it out there. Oh, sure. ErinLotta at gmail.com. Awesome. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Well, and for you, dear listener, if you have any question for me and you want to shoot them my way, you can find me on the gram on Instagram. I am darling.coach. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, it's also Coach Darlene Marshall. Uh, or you can shoot me an email my, at info at darlene.coach. Ooh, look, repetition. Uh, if you are a fan of the show, I want to invite you to subscribe in whatever platform you listen to. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, do all the things. And if you want to support the show, you could share this episode with somebody else that you think would benefit from the conversation. Uh, you could also leave us a review wherever you're listening it would be very helpful. And thanks.